Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We all know that it takes a lot for a priest to get into trouble. They do all sorts of rotten things and end up only with a smack on the wrist and a possible relocation. The sins of our priest in today's lesson were numerous and eventually led to him being the first priest executed here in the United States. Let's take a peek through the mirror and see how a man can claim to be called on by God, only to turn out to be a rotten, cold-blooded killer. Magic mirror on the wall, who is the most rotten one of all? Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings. Welcome back to the lair of your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters, here at Rotten to the Core. This is the history podcast about rotten people, where we attempt to learn a lesson or two from them that can help us in our current lives. I want to start out by saying that I did not intend to do another rotten Catholic person right after Mother Teresa, but... That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. There are just so many to choose from. So let's get into this one and find out the rotten history of Hans Schmidt. Hans Schmidt was born in 1881 in the Bavarian village of Aschaffenburg. His father was Protestant and his mother Catholic. From a young age, he was fascinated by the Roman Catholic rituals that were mostly taught to him by his mom. It is documented that both sides of Hans' family suffered from a wide array of mental illness, and it was clear from an early age that he had inherited his family's affliction. As a boy, Hans showed a deep religious devotion, but also a little by curiosity. Boy, by. Literally. And there's nothing wrong with either of those. What was off-putting about him as a child was his fascination with things like blood and dismemberment. Too bad they didn't have fire station drop boxes back then because Hans once beheaded two geese and kept their heads in his pockets as keepsakes. What sets Hans apart is that he would also frequent the local slaughterhouse daily, and he enjoyed watching the death and butchery of the farm animals. Hans would also play pretend as a priest, even with a homemade altar, which must have been a breath of relief for his parents. Oh, thank God he's playing priest. Now he can let the animals back out again. It makes me think of those PETA DVDs they used to hand out 
I think I got my first one at Warp Tour at 14. I took it home, and unbeknownst to me, it was all a behind-the-scenes hidden camera of every type of slaughterhouse imaginable, showing how animals are butchered for meat. Now, I grew up on a farm, and it was scarring enough to put me off meat for a whole summer, until I got tired of green beans and potatoes every day. Hans would have looked at that video like I used to the underwear aisle at Walmart. Mouth-watering lust. Hans had his first brush with the law when he was doing his seminary studies. He was arrested in 1905 for forging diplomas for failing students. Apparently, that's a big no-no because the judge wanted to send him to prison for it. He ended up getting off of all charges due to the lawyer his father hired who cited reasons of mental deficiency. And even with that now-documented mental deficiency, Hans claims that he was ordained as a priest in 1904 by Bishop Kirsten of Mainz. All those who knew him, though, were like, hmm, sure, Jan. Now, I know it's the holidays, and... We want to be optimistic. We want to hope that Hans found God and lived the rest of his life in servitude. But you don't become a lesson on this podcast for nothing. You'll be shocked to find that Hans wasn't a good priest. He pretty much did all the horrible things that a priest can do. He then claimed that St. Elizabeth herself ordained him as he was praying by his bedside one night. He claims that she appeared to him and told him, I ordain you to the priesthood. Han said afterwards, There was a light emanating during her appearance. I told no one. I thought it best to keep it to myself. They would make fun of me. They always made fun of me for these things. They always expect others to do as they do. God speaks to different people in different ways. Just my opinion, but I think if God was speaking to Hans, it would have gone more along the lines of, stop cutting animal heads off and putting them in your pocket. Each time Hans was caught sinning, he would be transferred to another church, until there were no other churches to send him to. So they shipped him off here to the United States in 1909. More specifically, Louisville, Kentucky. Once there, it didn't take long until he was getting into it with the senior pastor and was quickly transferred to St. Boniface's Church in New York City. Now, how bad do you have to piss off a priest to make him send you all the way from Kentucky to New York City? Don't come back now, you hear? Unfortunately for her, Hans wasn't the only newcomer at the church. There was also a young woman named Anna Amula, who had just been hired there as a housekeeper and cook for the priest's household. She had just immigrated from the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, and Hans quickly became enamored by her and the fact that he could speak his native language with her. He then claimed that God spoke directly to him and ordered him to love Anna. Hans then began praying on poor Anna, which she initially rejected. But we all get lonely, and 
he wasn't totally unfortunate looking. And it also must have been nice for her to be able to speak her language with him. And we all know, Verutterschwanz is Guterschwanz. Not long after the affair began, and probably because of it, Hans was transferred to St. Joseph's Church in West Harlem, which again is the procedure when a Catholic church is dealing with an embarrassing, image-tainting situation. It wasn't enough to stop the now-love affair, and on February 28, 1913, Hans and Anna were secretly married, and he even performed the ceremony himself. Once they were married, Anna wasn't the only door Hans was knocking on. He also started dating a dentist named Ernest Murray, who was also his business partner in a little counterfeit ring. Hans even later admitted that he liked having fun with Ernest more than he did with Anna. Only a man knows what another man really wants. Just kidding. I want cheese fries. At one point, Hans and Anna were desecrating an altar at St. Joseph's with intercourse, and he claims, yet again, take a guess. God spoke to him again! Only this time, he was telling Hans to sacrifice Anna. He began hearing it so often that he eventually told Anna, and she just called him crazy. To make matters worse, Anna also finds out she is pregnant and tells Hans, who didn't take the news well at all, to say the least. I imagine that he went into a panic as his life as a priest was now hanging in the balance even more. I picture him rolling over what to do in his mind and remembering the repetitive message from God to sacrifice Anna. He probably thought that's what God wanted him to do because being a priest is more important to God than him being a father. Whatever led him to the decision, it happened on September 2nd, 1913. Hans had rented an apartment for Anna. He waited until he knew she would be asleep, let himself in, and cut Anna's throat, sacrificing her and their unborn child to his God. Even more, he drank her blood and desecrated her nether regions as she laid there bleeding to death. His next move was to cut up her remains and then toss them from a ferry into the East River before returning to church and administering Holy Communion. He literally killed, drank blood, and cut up a body, then went back to church and fed the body and blood of Christ to people. It only took three days before Anna's body was discovered by two kids who were walking along the Jersey shoreline of the Hudson River. They found a package that had the headless torso of a woman cut at the waist. The following day, more of Anna was found three miles down the river. This time, it was a pillowcase with the letter A sewn into it, and it had the rest of the torso as well, and it was all wrapped in a newspaper that was dated August 31st. Both packages had been weighed down by a specific type of rock called schist, which was gray-green and 
The only place in the area it naturally occurred was Manhattan. After an autopsy was done on the body, investigators assumed that the woman was under 30, around 5 foot 4 inches tall, and weighed around 125 pounds. They also found that the woman had a premature birth shortly before she died. Anna's identity was found by the simple A on her pillowcase. Detectives were able to trace the price tag that was still luckily attached to it to a factory that sold exclusively to a furniture dealer in Manhattan. Luckily, that dealer kept excellent records of his sales. Come to find out, they only sold a few pillowcases with an A monogram. After checking receipts, they found that a buyer named A. Van Dyke had purchased them to be delivered to a third-story apartment. Detectives quickly went in and discovered that the apartment had been rented out only two weeks earlier by Hans Schmidt for a female relative of his. They knocked on the door, let themselves in, and instantly knew that they had found what they were looking for. You see, Hans didn't do a good job at covering his crime, and they saw bloodstains on the walls and floor and recognized that someone had struggled to try to remove them. They also found a butcher's knife and saw that had been recently cleaned and more items with the embroidered A on them, as well as a piece of paper with Hans' name and the address to St. Joseph's Church written on it. They made their way to the church, and when Hans found out that they were there to interview him, it said that he nearly passed out. It didn't take long then for Hans to confess his crimes, but believe it or not, you probably believe it, he said that they had a blessed union and that her death was inevitable. That he was excused of it because he loved her and sacrifices should be consummated in blood. During the trial, Hans's legal team attempted to say that he was consumed by bloodlust and was not responsible for his actions. The prosecution wasn't buying it, though. He knew all about Hans's past discretions and concluded that he was a scheming con man who was entirely calculating in all of his actions. Surprisingly, the first trial ended with a 10-2 hung jury. So a second one occurred. The second jury wasn't hung, though, and the judge told them, if you were satisfied that the defendant purchased the knife and saw, with which he cut up the body, thinking of using them as he did, and if you are satisfied that in the middle of the night he went to the flat, took off his coat and cut her throat, and then cut up her body, what conclusion do you come to? Use your common sense and experience with men Bear in mind, it isn't every form of mental unsoundness that excuses a crime. Justice was served that day as the jury convicted Hans of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death by electric chair. Hans Schmidt was electrocuted until dead on February 19, 1916, and poor Anna could finally rest in peace. That's not the end of our lesson, though. When Hans was in Kentucky, 
A nine-year-old girl named Alma Kellner went missing while at the church. Her body was later found in the church's cellar in May of 1910. Her autopsy revealed that she had been killed and cut up in a similar way as Anna. A French man named Joseph Windling, who was working as a janitor at the church, was accused and convicted. He was sentenced to life in prison for the crime that Hans most likely committed. Even though it was too late to save Anna, Hans was arrested in the nick of time. When detectives went to interview Hans's lover, Dr. Murray, they found that Hans rented a second apartment, and the doctor was found inside, attempting to get rid of evidence from all their counterfeiting. After some light questioning, the doctor admitted that the couple had been planning to commit several murders and collect the victim's life insurance. That plan was halted the day Hans was arrested. It was even found out after Hans was executed that there was a murder in his hometown in Germany. Another young woman was murdered and there was evidence that showed it was possibly a priest. Hans had also been using his counterfeit skills by posing as a medical physician using multiple names. Investigators found numerous business cards and bottles of illegal medicine too. Hans Schmidt is still the only Roman Catholic priest in American history to have faced capital punishment. (sighs) My God, how absolutely rotten was Hans? The first question that comes to mind is, who's doing the background checks on these Catholic churches? Because they are lax. The lesson I picked up from this is that I'm going to monogram a J on every piece of cloth that I own. That, and, if someone looks rotten, acts rotten, and says that God told them to sacrifice me, stay as far away from those people as possible. Those of you with children and or are a young woman... Make sure you know who you and your children are around. Don't always trust whatever institution they're under, a school, church, or apparently even a doctor, to have done a thorough background check. Hans murdered, molested, and worse to Anna, possibly those other females, and altar boys, and maybe even more when he was playing doctor with his multiple identities. He even possibly ruined the life of that French janitor who spent the rest of his life in prison. I'll leave you with this. Trust your gut. It always knows when something is rotten. Thank you for joining me on today's lesson. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a little something too. I appreciate and thank each and every one of you for supporting Rotten to the Core. Until next week, Be happy, find peace, and don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. I also have a TikTok now at Rotten in History. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., which I do with my brother Shane. And we have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole 
where we will be interacting and having a plethora of extra fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things a-brewing. Join us there, and I will talk at you all next week. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.